Today on The Bird and Inklings, I'm going to look at the life of C.S. Lewis. Also, I struggled to define words from the quote of the week. How much do words change in 90-ish years? Welcome to The Bird and Inklings, a podcast where I hope to dive deeper into the writings of the Inklings, a group of white men who met to discuss and write literature in the 1930s and 40s at Oxford. I particularly want to look at how their works fit into the diversifying world of today. We are so close to starting the Pilgrim's Regress. In honor of that, the quote of the week will be from the afterword of the third edition of the Pilgrim's Regress. It does a great job of introducing the chaos that I'm setting myself up for in trying to tackle this book, as well as giving a bit of an intro to Lewis's life. But first, the drink of the week is Medieval Mead Semi-Sweet Honey Wine from Lingham... Linganor Wine Cellars, which is a local winery for me in Maryland. Here's the quote. On rereading this book 10 years after I wrote it, I find its chief faults to be those two which I myself least easily forgive in books of other men, needless obscurity and an uncharitable temper. There were two causes I now realize for the obscurity. On the intellectual side my own progress had been from popular realism to philosophical idealism, from idealism to pantheism, from pantheism to theism, and from theism to Christianity. I still think this is a very natural road, but I now know that it is a road very rarely trodden. In the early 30s, I did not know this. If I had any notion of my own isolation, I should either have kept silent about my journey or else endeavored to describe it with more consideration for the reader's difficulties. Yay, reader's difficulties. So if you are anything like me, when Lewis lists off his progress to Christianity, there are some definitions that need to be gone over. So, these are all done in research today, and I'm trusting the internet, and I'm not sure these definitions make much sense, but I tried to put them in a way that does make sense, and they are just stages of the journey that we will be looking for as we read The Pilgrim's Regress, starting next time. Okay, so popular real... Popular realism is just another way of saying rationalism, which is the belief only in what can be proven by clear logical, clear logic or reason. Philosophical idealism is the one I had the most trouble with. It's rea- um, the belief that reality is dependent on the mind. I, I couldn't find a definition for just philosophical. They're all philosophical. It's just, I, I don't know. If you know more, let me know. I have no problem saying I have no idea. Pantheism. There were two definitions for. One is a doctrine which identifies God with the universe or regards the universe as a manifestation of God. 
The second is worship that admits or tolerates all gods. And Lewis did have some attraction to paganism, or he was very attracted to Norse mythology. Now I'll get into C.S. Lewis's life. His full name was Clive Staples Lewis, but he went by Jack with his friends. He was born on November 29th, 1898 in Belfast, Ireland. His father, was, his father was Albert Lewis, a solicitor, and he was very dependent on routine. He was very emotional and often confused matters. He was trying to help, but ended up really not helping much. And then his mother was Flora, and she had a much cooler and a happier temperament. Um, C.S. Lewis had an older brother, Warney, or his full name was Warren, and they became very close, especially after their mother died of abdominal cancer when Lewis was nine years old. They created a whole history of a fictional world um, of Boxen, which included C.S. Lewis's Animal Land and Warney's made-up India. So Animal Land is not a basis of Narnia, even though they both do have animals. Um, Lewis was also very enthralled with um, Beatrix Potter's children's books. Anyway, um, less than four weeks after his mother's death, Lewis was sent to boarding school. And he went to, I think it was four boarding schools. It could have been three, pretty sure four. And all of them had hardships um, for Lewis or just did not go well. He hated England. He was awkward. He became a pessimist. He lost his Christianity. He was clumsy. He just didn't know how to interact very well with other people. Um, and one thing that got him through these hard times and created the sense of longing that was very important to his life um, later on was Norse mythology. And it also helped him form a friendship with Arthur Greaves. And then in 1914, as Warney was going off to fight in World War I, Lewis went to study with William Kirkpatrick, also known as the Great Knock. And this was the one schooling, or the first schooling Lewis had that he really enjoyed. Um, Kirkpatrick was very, a very established atheist who was incredibly logical and strict in reasoning. And Lewis just considered this really close to his ideal life. George MacDonald's Fantasties reawakened Lewis's longings, um, the sense of wonder um, that just wove in and out of Lewis's entire life, um, surprised by joy, the joy, and also the Pilgrim's Regress will definitely have a lot of this longing and joy in it. Um, so Lewis entered Oxford in the summer term of 1917, but before the term was over, he enlisted in the army and he arrived on the in the trenches on his 19th birthday. After his service, Lewis returned to Oxford where he met and eventually became friends with Owen Barfield, Neville Cogshill, Hugo Dyson, J.R. Tolkien. 
1929, Lewis returned to theism and attended a Christian church, though he didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ, um, though he eventually saw Christianity as kind of a matured paganism or that paganism was a signpost that was pointing to Christianity. And so in 1931, Lewis did become a Christian and it was very difficult for him to surrender his life in that way. Um, and Pilgrim's Regress is a very beautiful image of that towards the end. Um, Surprised by Joy, that is also a really amazing chapter when it comes. Most of that book was very confusing. Anyway, during World War II, Lewis gave radio talks, wrote books, and served in the Home Guard. He continued at Oxford as well. Um, he was a student, and then he was a don or professor. I really should have clarified that before, but I'm too lazy to look it up now. And then in 1954, he went to Cambridge um, to be the chair for medieval and Renaissance literature, though he did maintain strong ties to Oxford. He kept the kilns, which was in Oxford, um, his house in Oxford, where he lived with Warney. Oh, I guess I also didn't mention going back to returning from World War. Um, Mrs. Moore is a pretty big character in his life. He had made friends with in the trenches with Moore's son, and they agreed that if the other died, they'd take care of the um, existing parent for the other. So um, Moore was killed in action, so Lewis um, kind of took in Mrs. Moore as his adopted mother, and there's a lot of questions about that relationship. Um, Mrs. Moore was very picky, might be the word. She was not somebody that a lot of people admired, and there are lots of questions about if there was a sexual relationship with Lewis. Anyway, in 1956, Lewis married Joy Davidman Gresham, who was an American writer. At first, they had just a civil marriage, but in 1957, they sought a Christian marriage. Uh, she was a divorcee, and then Joy died of bone cancer in 1960, and then Lewis died on November 22nd, 1963. That all went so much faster. I feel like I spent hours writing it. And then it's over in 15 minutes. To completely can change gears, um, the ending quote is from Ijeoma Olua's book, So You Want to Talk About Race. And this is a longer quote, but I think it really brings to light that we can't ignore some aspects of a situation. For instance, we bring all of ourselves into a book that we write. So if you have a problem with me trying to discuss race or sex and gender or class, culture, etc. in the Inklings writing, 
this is for you. We are, each and every one of us, a collection of our lived experiences. Our lived experiences shape us, how we interact with the world and how we live in the world. And our experiences are valid because we do not experience the world with only part of ourselves. We cannot leave our racial identity at the door. And so if a person of color says that something is about race, it is. Because regardless of the details, regardless of whether or not you can connect the dots from the outside, the racial identity is a part of them and it is interacting with the situation. Note, if you are a white person in this situation, do not think that just because you may not be aware of your racial identity at the time that you did not bring race to your experience of the situation as well. We are all products of a racialized society and it affects everything that we bring to our interactions. Cheers.